Welcome back to the Move More Podcast, powered by Omega Sports. Omega Sports is your neighborhood sports store. For over 43 years, actually 44 years now, they've been helping North Carolinians run more, move more, and play more. And since I've been on the scene, they've been pushing more, squatting more, pulling more, hashtag more strengths. Shop in their stores, all their locations, stop online, sign up for the emails. Always got a lot of good deals going on, and their active play experts inside the stores are awesome. So stop in, try it on, see everything that Omega Sports has to offer you, because you know when you're up shopping at Omega Sports, you're keeping it local. Money stays in the community, guys. I am your host for the Move More podcast, Dr. Scott Jablanca, performance physical therapist here in Charlotte, North Carolina, current owner and operator of Carolina Movement Doc which has been taken off quite nicely. In fact, I've been so busy lately. I've been It's been tough to get to these podcasts, but I'm going to make it a point to kind of carve this in my schedule. A lot of cool other podcasts on this platform brought to you by Omega Sports. One of them is Learn to Run Podcast by Matt Menard. Check that out too. So if you're listening to this, kind of save that as well. A lot of good stuff going on. If you are a runner and you really want to get back to running, learn to run without pain, without injury. A lot of good things coming on that platform too. So check that out. On this episode, guys... We're going to dive into the one single most important piece of equipment that I believe everybody should have in their garage, at the gym, and in their rehab clinic. We're going to talk about a lot of that and more on this rendition of the Move More Podcast. So stay tuned. Let's go for a ride, guys. Let's have some fun. Go. introduction music still on point. I can never get over that. That's good stuff. Now, before we begin, i got to tell you guys about a couple of free courses that I do have online on my website at www.carolinamovementdoc.com. It's Introduction to Olympic Lifting and Introduction to Functional Fitness. Now, if you're some of these people that are just a little bit anxious, a little bit kind of weary about stepping inside the gym or signing up for classes because you just don't want to be that fish out of water, these are the courses for you. So head to my website, click on Athletes and Coaches, and sign up today. It is free for everybody, free 99. You really really can't go wrong with that. So hop on those, check them out, give me some feedback. I'm always looking to improve on everything that I do, including those courses, and plenty more coming down the pipeline as we progress. Now, let's get into the meat and potatoes of it. This this episode is more or less kind of like an opinion piece, a conversation piece, but a lot of the topics that I have here are usually kind of inspired by a lot of clients and a lot of athletes that I have. And lately, I've been having a lot of, I shouldn't say novice, I guess you can say novice, but I would say typically they're athletes that haven't really been been exposed to a lot of strength training, a lot of resistance training. They've been more or less kind of winging it, I guess you could say. And I think we've all kind of been down that road where we don't really know what we're doing. We've seen people do it, so we just kind of mimic it and we go along for the ride. So they've been making it up as they go without any real guidance, and they've been neglecting the strength piece when it comes to their training. So they wonder why they're getting injured so frequently, so easily when their load and their intensity is kind of low. Every time they come into my clinic, I always ask me, what do you do? Do you do anything besides this? And the answer is usually, no, no, I don't really do that. I don't really know what to do. And to no fault to their own. I like to implement certain things into my program that introduce them into the world of strength training. Enter the kettlebell. Now, some people kind of, they shrug their nose at it because they've seen it on TV, these giant competitions where they're swinging 100, 150 pounds overhead and swinging swinging it around. That's not what I'm talking about. I mean, that's an avenue of it, but that's not exactly what I'm talking about. The kettlebell is probably the most 
underutilized, underappreciated piece of gym equipment, piece of rehab equipment that I've experienced. In fact, I use the kettlebell super often, no matter what, even for headaches, shoulder pain, ankle pain. The kettlebell has a nice home in my clinic 100% of the time. I'm going to go over um, a couple of variations at the end of this podcast as to what I like to throw at people. And then when you kind of go through those, listen to them, I should have videos that kind of supersede that as well. Huge, huge impact. It really is enlightening for a lot of these people that come into the clinic, especially into the gym. Newcomers into the gym, kind of, they're a little bit timid. Okay. Now, why do I like the kettlebell? It's because it's it's just a little bit more forgiving than, let's say, ripping a barbell with super heavy weight off the ground. Sometimes that's intimidating, but a lighter weight kettlebell that's a little bit smaller, easier to manage, that's typically received pretty well. So when it comes to being that novice or maybe that nervous individual that just hasn't strength trained before, it's a really, really good avenue just to get kind of get that introduction into the mix. Now, the kettlebell, it has been around for God knows how long, to be honest with you. So there's actually some text, some excavations back in ancient Greece that they use something that kind of resembled a kettlebell with an offset weight and a handle used for back in ancient Greece. So that's way back in the day. So I have to say that anything that's been around and tried and true for a while, no matter how simple it may be, even if it hasn't been quote unquote improved for a century, there's probably a reason why it's still around. Now, typically, the kettlebell was usually used in farming as a counterweight to kind of measure grain. And then one time this farmer back in Russia said, what if we do it and implement it into sports? That's what I read. That's usually the story is where you found where did the kettlebells come from? They weren't for sport to begin with, at least, at least not in Russia. And it's been being more popular by Russian coach that brought it over and kind of popularized it into America. And since it kind of hit America, it's been taken off as far as implementing into sports powers. Now it's competitions with kettlebell swings, but it was more or less popularized by a Russian special forces coach that brought it over. He even has his own kettlebell certification courses now, which is very cool. They're very great, by the way. So if you have a chance to take one, if you're a rehab professional, go ahead and dive into those courses. All of them are very good, and they're going to kind of change the way you practice, change the way you think about how to use the kettlebell, where to implement it, and kind of how to scale it accordingly. Now, why are kettlebells so important? Well, they they really incorporate so many different movements. Now, if we if we stop and think about what we typically see in our gym, we see machines like a chest press machine, a row machine. We'll see clearly we'll see barbells. I'm a huge fan of barbells. I think it's pretty safe to say, but when it comes to just variations of movement, I think the kettlebell takes the cake when it comes to availability. For instance, if we just do like a flat bench bench press, that's kind of a linear motion. Barbell deadlift, semi-linear motion, but to be honest with you, it works every muscle in the body. I would probably consider the deadlift is probably the best core exercise that I can implement that's easy to coach, easy to do, and easy to replicate at home. But when we throw the kettlebell in the mix here, this is if you haven't seen a kettlebell, go ahead, Google it, look it up. It's this giant, what used to be cast iron ball with a giant handle, not a giant handle, but it's a handle that's attached to it. And it's there to help you more or less swing it, carry it, press it, push it. It's, it's offset. So if we compare a kettlebell to like a dumbbell, which has a handle and two equivalent weights on either side, it's easily to balance. It's predictable. Kettlebell 
not so predictable. And that's kind of why I like it because it adds a component of stability to it that challenges people in certain ways that kind of give their body just a different stimulus to fire certain muscle groups. They make their body just a little bit more aware of what's going on and it really helps them fine tune their motor skills. Now the kettlebell can be used for so many things, pushing, pulling, pressing, swinging, squatting, twisting, all with one piece of small handheld equipment and it's portable. It does not take up a whole lot of space and it's super cheap when it comes to things. Think about it. How much was your treadmill that you spent on? That's probably gathering dust and or functions as your second closet. There's probably clothes hanging onto it or the Bowflex that's in your basement. If y'all have basements in North Carolina, I know in upstate New York, basements are awesome. Down here, they're few and far between. But if you have your, you have yourself a Bowflex, how often do you use that? How much space does it take off? And how, much, how annoying is it knowing that you have this giant piece of equipment and you're not using it? The kettlebell is small, compact. It's cheap. It's incredibly effective when it's implemented correctly. In fact, I can probably program an entire month's worth of workouts for both athletes in the gym and clients in the clinic using nothing but a kettlebell. And I can hit certain muscle groups, very targeted programming, and have it be just as effective. Now, we'd probably have to scale down some of the reps, maybe the tempo, maybe break it up into an every minute on the minute kind of deal. But still, we can use the kettlebell for so many different things. Now, when it comes to sport, when we're looking at athletes who aren't really in the clinic, but they're looking to have that dynamic effect, right? Most of the time when it comes to sports, you're thinking of very aggressive, very violent hip extension and ankle plantar flexion. So think about your sprinters coming off the blocks. They need that nice hip extension for that explosive hole shot. They need that ankle plantar flexion or pointing the toe down. That's what we call plantar flexion. So a combination of both of those equals a lot of explosiveness. And both of these movements can be found with a simple and very aggressive kettlebell swing. All right. Take a kettlebell, have a nice hip extension, have a nice almost finishing on your toes, and you can get that hip extension, ankle plantar flexion, under load with the kettlebell. And guess what? With a swing, we can do that multiple times. So we can train that very integral piece of their training regimen just with a kettlebell alone. I think that's awesome. Now think about your cyclists. All right. If you've ever watched the Tour de France, in fact, Lance Armstrong has been known to have kettlebell swings into his program as well. And I know he there, there's a lot of negativity and negative news around Lance Armstrong, but you got to understand that he still was an elite cyclist. He still trained like a beast. So when the kettlebells were a part of his program, I think that's something that we really should think about on a long-term basis. So think about your cyclists. If you've ever watched the Tour de France, the king of the mountain, that's the polka dot jersey guy. So if you have the polka dot jersey, that means you can climb pretty high peaks at a very fast pace, better than anybody else. All right. There's also the green jersey, the yellow jersey, the white jersey. I'll let you guys look up, look up those. So it's a whole other world there. But honestly, the Tour de France is awesome to watch. Getting sidetracked. I digress. But it's a great sport. But the cyclists definitely need a whole lot of lower body strength. And can we get that from the kettlebell? The answer is yes. You can absolutely get the strength from the kettlebell. Performed at higher intensities, at higher weight, the kettlebell can develop that lower body strength, hip extension, quad strength, calf strength balance but people kind of miss this the balance aspect when we take an offset weight and we work unilateral we work different planes of motion we inherently are working on our balance our stability our control so not only cyclists let's take it to the extreme guys man this you can tell i'm getting jazzed by this because there's so many implements take it from the cyclist the elite athlete now let's let's apply it to the 
the older individual, the, the, we call geriatrics, I call veterans, seasoned athletes, I guess you could say, we're talking like the 60, 70 plus population, take a kettlebell, work in the transverse planes, that's twisting, work in the frontal planes, that's sidestepping, guys, work those planes with load and inherently you're going to work on balance. Now, what is the biggest concern when it comes to our older individuals is falls. In fact, nursing homes, hospitals, they keep track of this stuff. How well, how many days was it since their last fall? They have posters on their bulletin board that says, we've had 100-something days since their last fall, and that's great. Now, how do we prevent falls would be the next question. I think kettlebells are great. I think it should be in every nursing home, every rehab facility, acute care. I don't care, to be honest with you. It should be there to one form and another. Now, the increments of the kettlebell can be in every four kilograms. They don't work pounds. The pounds are on it, but typically it's for 12, 16, 20 kilograms. So that's the, the weight increments. But if we, if we use some of the lower ones, I think we can really have a good effect on how we affect our balance, prevent falls, reduce the amount of hip fractures, reduce the amount of trips to the hospital. So not only are we addressing cyclists, our sprinters, our basketball players, bingo, 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 but we're also addressing longevity and better quality of life as we progress toward our later stages in life. Perhaps we can even prevent ourselves from having to need to go to a nursing home or a long-term acute care or any type of assistance. Perhaps we can live in our own home because we are stronger individuals. We have balance, control, flexibility, mobility, and strength. All the stuff that I've been preaching since day one, since my very first podcast. In fact, you put this on pause, go back to podcast number one. Listen to that what we talk about, our sickness, wellness, and fitness continuum, all of this that we're kind of talking about throughout our entire podcast here for the Move More podcast is how do we keep ourselves as fit as possible? The kettlebell has a really, really good place into fit into that fitness route. Now, there are a few things that we have to take in consideration when we talk about the kettlebell. Now, sometimes we can get a little bit overzealous and do some... Crazy things like make it too heavy. Take somebody who hasn't really touched a weight before in their life, and now they're asking them to swing around 70 pounds, even 53 pounds. Maybe not a smart idea. Again, anything done poorly is dangerous, no matter what. Walking done poorly is dangerous. All right. There's a fear aspect when it comes to working with kettlebells. Yes, it's a weight. For somebody that hasn't touched a heavy weight before, I should say a formal weight. If they lifted a heavy purse, a bag of dog food, if they carried in their groceries in one trip, they've lifted weights. In fact, they've done some sort of kettlebell work. Because if you think about a grocery bag, it's nothing more than a fabric kettlebell. Load it down with groceries, hopefully some Oreos. Love me some Oreos. Maybe some Halo Top, extra creamy. It's good stuff. But if you think about it, we need to introduce them into something that's maybe a little bit more manageable, a little bit less fearful. When you do a kettlebell swing, it's important that we de- definitely do it with decent form, good technique, good instructions, a little bit of encouragement. And then if you're going to miss, you're going to miss low, error on the side of safety. So we're not going to overload them. Give them a nice lightweight, introduce them to what grip strength feels like, introduce them to what dynamic control with weight feels like. And then you're going to see a nice little light bulb that goes off in their head that says, oh, I can do this. You know what? I've probably done this before. This is what's, this is what's similar to when I carry my grandkid around Disney World because they're too tired to walk. Yeah, absolutely. A kettlebell carry are fabulous. We're going to go over a couple of my favorites at the end, but a carry is it's fantastic because how often do you find yourself carrying things? 
very often, especially on vacations, on trips, packing a car, anything like that. We have to be smart about how we implement this stuff. Now, Dr. Stuart McGill, who is the big guru, the big head honcho when it comes to spine and back health, he is a big, big proponent of the kettlebell. Now, when he said something, he's done probably the most research out of anybody when it comes to spine health, back pain. There's something called the McGill Big Three that people like to incorporate that didn't try to chew as far as helping to develop core strength and stability, awareness and reduce back pain, and then work within our pain-free realm. When Stuart McGill says something and he means it, it's worth listening to. He's a big proponent of the kettlebell swing or at least kettlebell work as well. Perhaps not a barbell, but the kettlebell might actually give his patients a little bit more leeway, a little bit more freedom to work within their strength realm. So when he says something, I think it's something that we need to really kind of listen to. Now, the kettlebell has, the, I'm sure I should say this, the nitty gritty or kind of the key take home message of the kettlebell, why it's so important, why it's so effective, because it really combines the two worlds that like to butt heads a little bit. I mean, even to this day, even all these podcasts that we've done, all this stuff on social media, all the blogs that you read, you're still going to have this almost head-to-head combat between, I want to do more, quote-unquote, cardio. And then this group over here says, I want to do more, quote-unquote, strength training. And they, they, they feel like they're in two separate worlds, when in reality, those worlds should be meshed together really nice. And when you do both, quote unquote, cardio and strength training, when you do it nicely, they're going to blend together where you can't decide which is which. And the kettlebell does this because we can have the effects of interval training combined with the nice effects of strength training all at the same time without trying to separate one from the other. Now, we can take a lighter kettlebell and do higher reps for longer durations, or you can use a heavy kettlebell and really kind of hit that really hard strength stimulus that you're looking for as far as working within a certain percentage of a one rep max. Now, you can have those extremes, or you can blend them together, in fact, in which case you really don't realize what you're doing, but you're working both stimuli that high interval training, get the heart rate pumping. You're working so many muscles of your body. In fact, I would probably go as far as saying the kettlebell is the magic bullet for training your body, period. Okay, That might be far-fetched, but hear me out, guys. When you want the best of both worlds, are you going to spend money on a bike, which is going to cost you thousands of dollars on wheels, components, helmets, gear, time? You want to spend all the money on a barbell, weights, squat rack, all that stuff. Or do you want to just buy a kettlebell? Proper programming, proper technique with the right stimulus, and you can get the best of both worlds. It's going to save you thousands of dollars, a ton of headache, and a ton of time. Best of both worlds. So I'd probably say that the the kettlebell would be the magic bullet when it comes to something like this. Now, what are my favorites? Okay, So let's break it up. Whenever I see anybody in the clinic, if it's a shoulder or neck, or we call thoracic spine, which is right below the neck, right above the lower back, any issue that I have there, I'd like to throw in some kettlebell work just to see, one, can they tolerate it? Two, can I load it? And three, how much? Right? How much can I load it? Because if they can handle heavier loads and we increase the intensity, we know that their strength is coming back, their pain is coming down, and we can get them back to that fitness that we're talking about for a long period of time. Let's break it down into kind of components. So first, arms. And when I go through this, guys, check out YouTube. Look at some of these videos. I'll try to throw these on social media as we progress here too. These are very simple movements, but simple is great. I always preach, 
do simple things well and do simple things often. It doesn't have to look sexy. It just has to be effective when the simple stuff's been around for a while. For the arms, I love just the good old-fashioned farmer carry. What is that? Taking two kettlebells, lifting them up with good posture. It loads the spine. It has good grip strength. You're working the shoulders. You're working your quote-unquote core. And when you carry them, that's very analogous to very, very heavy. Bring your groceries into one trip. You've done a kettlebell, so you've done a farmer carry in the past. You just don't know it yet. Do it with heavier weights. We can train ourselves. You're going to feel like, man, this is really, really tough, and that's great. Well, we can do tough things with a farmer carry. We can have nice core strength. We can load the spine without risking injury to the back, without having that fear component that you might have from lifting heavy weights. You've done it before. Let's just do it a little bit more. How about that? The overhead kettlebell carry or the lunge, all right? If you can carry it, you can lunge it. If you take a kettlebell, you put it overhead. Now, I like it putting it overhead, especially for arms, only because the kettlebell is offset, maybe four to six inches offset from the center of gravity. So your arm has to work exponentially more to keep that sucker balanced as opposed to a dumbbell. Kettlebell is going to have it offset. You got to work harder to keep that stability. And it's awesome for shoulder health, especially if I'm there to kind of give you a little bit more stimulus to see if you can't keep it a little bit more stable. Add a little bit more weight. Throw a different plane of motion in there. The overhead carry is awesome. Sometimes they call it like a waiter's carry. Also very good too. The single arm kettlebell swings. We're taking both arms. We're just using one arm. All right, see how much tolerance it can have. The single arm kettlebell swing, I love it for baseball players, especially pitchers, because they're going to need that post your shoulder engagement and strength and work capacity so they can get back to the mound and they can hit their pitch count without losing velocity and without pain. The kettlebell snatch, something similar to that. It's from the ground directly overhead. So if you think about a barbell snatch, kettlebell snatch with one arm, a lot of technique involved with it too, to be honest with you, just for wrist health. But we involve the kettlebell snatch. Not only do we get wrist, forearm, elbow, shoulder, stability overhead, but we still get that lower body stuff of knee, hip extension, explosiveness. That explosiveness is what we're kind of looking for in the end when it comes to athletic performance. And then the last but not least, the, the Turkish getup. Now, this is tried and true. I don't like to throw these into a formal high-intensity workout, but I will throw these into an every-minute-on-the-minute situation, in which case, if it's shoulder-related, uh, on minute three, I might throw like a three-rep Turkish getup in there. And Turkish getup, if you haven't seen it before, look it up. It has a lot of stability and control to it, and you can add components of stability by taking that kettlebell and doing a bottoms-up kettlebell. I'll talk about that at the end. But it's an awesome tool to use. It's been around for a while. There's even like a Turkish get-up competition. It's how much weight you can do. I wouldn't go that far, but I would definitely incorporate the Turkish get-up into anything that's upper extremity, neck, and thoracic spine related as far as pain modulation, stability, mobility, coordination, balance, all of the above, guys. How sweet is that? Now, legs, anything leg-related. We're talking hip, knee, ankle. Even lower back. We're going to throw the lower back into the legs here, guys. Okay, The goblet squat will do awesome. Either, either handle up or bottoms up goblet squat. That should be incorporated into many different aspects of rehab. It's great for the legs, also for core stability, especially for Olympic lifters. The kettlebell or the goblet squat is awesome to reincorporate after nasty back pain to get back to front squats, then heavier front squats, then cleans. But the kettlebell is a nice avenue to kind of reintroduce that back into the program to see what the spine can handle. The kettlebell swing, tried and true, guys. We've seen this before. It's not dangerous when it's performed well. Right? The problem is when do we catch it when it does go bad? 
Are you flexing your spine too much? Are you letting that, that, that kettlebell swing you all the way down to the ground? No, but when it's executed well, it's an awesome rehab tool. The kettlebell lunge, I don't care how you hold it, goblet squat formation on the shoulder, whatever. It adds that stability component, a little bit offset, and we can work the legs in the lunge. Now for the core, this one's fun, right? People say core, they think just belly, abdominals, but I kind of consider core from shoulders all the way down to the knees because we have to incorporate the hip flexors into our core complex. I'm just going to say trunk. We'll work the trunk, if that makes sense. I think we all can kind of agree on that. The Turkish sit-up is one of my favorite trunk exercises. It's very analogous to the Turkish get-up, but it's literally just a long leg sit-up. We're holding that kettlebell, punching it straight up toward the sky, one arm, or you can do it too and you just sit straight up. It has a lot of strength component. It makes their sit-up way more difficult. But when you do it nicely and you do it controlled, I like to throw these in an imam as well. These are very, very tough on the hip flexors, the abdominal cavity, the shoulders, the wrists. And when you do this well, it smokes you out. It can make you breathe really, really heavy. Overhead kettlebell walks. Take two kettlebells, lock them out overhead, and walk it out. Honestly, do it for distance. You're going to notice that your trunk is going to be fatigued a little bit quicker than your shoulders are, so things are going to kind of shake a little bit. And I like to throw this in there because it's relatively safe when you instruct it correctly. So once they put it overhead and then they start to shake, they get a little bit uneasy, good. That's time. Then you bring it down. You rest accordingly, get it back up, and you do it again. That's easy to kind of modify, easy to scale, and easy to kind of coach and see within a pain-free range because we're not doing it at high intensities. We're not doing it for crazy amounts of low, but we are doing it for time under tension, which is what I really like. Russian twists. Now, not a huge proponent of twisting under low, but when you do it well with nice core bracing and, and, and spinal bracing, I think it's a nice little tool to kind of hit that transverse plane of motion. Remember, we still have to train the transverse plane, twisting in order to have good spine health. Now we shouldn't twist too much. I would argue that. I'm probably gonna get a lot of slack for saying that, I don't care. I'll still train that within reason. I certainly won't overload it. I won't hammer away at it, but I definitely will incorporate it into the program. Now as far as stability, why does it add stability? Any one of these arms, the core, lower extremities, if you take that kettlebell and you just twist that sucker bottoms up, it adds a stability component unlike any other thing. In fact, when you do it right versus left hands, and you try to put that kettlebell in that bottoms up position, you're going to notice that one arm is terrible. The other one is just slightly less than terrible, but both definitely need work. And it adds that stability component. It's going to tire you out. It's going to help us with more time under tension. It's going to completely change the game for you. Do you see where I'm going with this, guys? It, it really is awesome. And I know that this is more like an opinion piece, but this is 13 years of me doing this. And I love to throw the kettlebell into the mix when it comes to rehab. I love doing it. I love seeing it in a workout. Personally, I don't really care for the super heavy swings. I'll do them, but they destroy me. Like clearly I need work, especially my posterior chain when it comes to doing those at high repetitions. But I'm a big, big fan of the kettlebell. I think every clinic should have one. Every home gym should have one. I think it's crucial to have that. Even hotel gyms, to be honest with you. And as long as you're smart with your programming, your form is on point and your stimulus is there, I think you can have a really good time. You can have a good stimulus from kettlebells and burn the fat accordingly as long as your nutrition's on point. Your strength and conditioning coaches probably have you doing some sort of kettlebell work. And I'm a big proponent of that. Right on. All right. So you're going to see this more often than not. After you listen to this podcast, you're going to look in the gym and be like, wow, there's a lot more kettlebells than I actually realized. You may actually start to use them. You might actually start to like them. And heaven forbid, you might actually go buy one yourself. Go ahead. I recommend it.
Guys, I hope you got something out of this podcast. I know I did. This is inspired by probably the last three or four weeks of incorporating this and really reintroducing this into many, many different people's training regimen. I'll have a lot of good feedback from it. That's why I wanted to throw this on this podcast for the Omega Sports Move More podcast. I think it's a good tool. Go ahead, reach out to me if you have any other questions or concerns about the kettlebell. If you want to hash it out, if you want to just kind of debunk some of the myths, I'm down with that too. I am Dr. Scott Jablanca, performance physical therapist here in Charlotte, North Carolina owner of Carolina Movement Doc. Find me on Facebook. Find me on Instagram. I'm putting a lot of free content as far as movement-based. Some funny reels too. Why? Because that's what Instagram does. It's pushing the reels. Whatever. But I'll do them anyways. Reach out to me. Answer all DMs. My business is growing. I'm looking to expand both in Charlotte and the surrounding cities around North Carolina and hopefully into South Carolina as well. So get a hold of me, Dr. Scott Jablanca, performance physical therapist. Stop in the stores at Omega Sports, all the locations. Shop online. They're going to take care of you there. I promise you. A lot of good deals going on. Pretty much every email that they send out. So do not miss out. Remember, everything you hear here, you hear here. Yeah, that's two words. Is the opinion and the expertise of me and myself only. These are not the opinions of Omega Sports. This is me figuring this stuff out on my own with my colleagues. All the experience that I've had, I'm putting it into content for you to listen to. Take it or leave it. I hope you at least enjoyed a little bit. It's a little bit entertaining no matter where you listen to. So again, this is just me just having some fun with this, guys. I hope you had some fun too. Stay tuned. Save this. Every time we put out a new podcast, you you should get a notification and hopefully you can have a little bit more education, a little bit more insight, and hopefully this helps you move just a little bit more. Remember, it's so tough to get people off the couch. It's so easy to be sedentary, right? Doing hard things is difficult, but we can do hard things together and let me help you out with that with the help of me and Omega Sports your neighborhood sports star. This is Dr. Scott Jablanca signing off on this episode of the Move More Podcast. Have fun, y'all. Yeah.